I, am, I had a great time sharing yesterday. I spoke for over six hours, so I'm amazed at all the people who hung in there and listened for six hours. You know what it takes to listen to somebody for six hours? Wow. And not fall asleep? Amazing stuff. So I'm going to now, today I have to speak very quickly because of the clock, but I want to share with you. Um, uh, to what to me is a very, very important word, and it's, it's what I, um, I actually, kind of the basis for my book. I know Pastor Daniel has the book, and there's only a few left, I think, in the back. Most of them went yesterday. But I want to talk to you about um, positioning yourself for the power of God or for a miracle from God. Because have you ever noticed how it does seem that some, have you ever noticed that some people seem to get more of the favor of God and the things of God than others. Not that God would put, uh, put anybody, oh, they have more favor than others, but doesn't it seem that some people experience more blessing, more miracles, more breakthroughs than others? You hate to say that, but it's really true. Some people, every other day you talk to them, oh, yeah, God just did this, and God just did that, and God just did this for us, and God opened this for us, and then some people, well, it's always bad and never works and everything. You know, and so I, I started to wonder, I thought, what is it that brings about God's great favor on a situation or on a life? What is it that brings about a miracle? And so as I thought about that, I did a little bit of study, and I said, well, what was the first miracle that we find Jesus doing? Everybody, most everyone knows that. It was the wedding of Canaan. So I want to read that to you. It's John chapter 2. John chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 1, and just from this, it says, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? How many moms thinking of Mother's Day coming up would go, whack. Son, you don't ever talk to me that way. <laughs> woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. But as, and I, just as I saw those first scriptures, I went, because I knew the miracle, you know, the miracle is about to take place. And I thought, that's the first ingredient to a miracle, is do we actually involve or bring our needs to Jesus? Because a lot of people, they don't. A lot of people, they don't. What, what happens with some people? They have a real need. They, they genuinely have something in their life, but they go, oh, well, uh, you know, God's too, he's too busy for this, and there's other people that have bigger needs, so I'm not going to bother the Lord for this and that. And I realized something. Mary came, and she brought the problem to Jesus. She brought the problem to him. And to tell you the truth, as I looked at this problem, I thought, this problem's really not that big of a deal, is it? I mean, a lot of people, they look and go, oh, this is a small thing. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe that's why we don't receive sometimes. We think, oh, God doesn't really care about our little need, and he has bigger things to do, but Mary brought a small need. And really, I kind of thought about this. I thought, they ran out of wine, which means they already had finished what they expected, or the, the, the wedding party and the families expected everyone to drink, and they ran out of that. So I kind of thought, well, who cares? You know, it's like, dude, you had enough. 
I think it's over now. Party's done. They're married. Let them go off. And you know, it's over. What do you need more? And yet Mary comes with this, to me, small need and says, and says Lord, we have a problem here. And I was amazed by that because she realized her source for everything was Jesus. Everything in life. And even a small thing was not too big. You know, James says, you have not because you ask not. Right? Or Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, you'll know the scriptures. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. That's how it comes. Now look what, I also like what Jesus said to his mother. And uh, <laughs> because, because when he says, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. And um, I, I did a little bit of work on seeing how it was translated in other ways. And it, it was amazing to me what it said because one translation says it this way, that Jesus really responded and said, who has brought me into this situation? Or who has identified me with this? But the one I liked was who has brought me into this situation? And I realized something. The people who get answers in their life, get breakthroughs, get miracles, are people who bring Jesus into their situation. They bring Jesus into their problem. No matter how big or how small, they bring him into it. There was something I found, a dynamic in the word of God, that people who receive from the Lord were people who, I say it this way, people who refuse to be refused and deny to be denied. They are people who press through. It's like, you remember the story of Jacob when he was, it says he was wrestling with the angel of the Lord, and they wrestled all night. Actually, that angel of the Lord, we call it, as theologians call it, a theophany, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, so some believe that was actually Jesus in the Old Testament wrestling there with Jacob. And so the angel, you know, the Lord there says to Jacob, um, says, let me go as if he couldn't break out. Let me go. And, and, and then Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And what does it say? And he blessed him. Oh, and I think about a people. What if we were a people that said, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Do you think he's short of blessings? No, he has enough. He has enough. He's plenty. There's no, there's no shortage from him. I won't let you go until you bless me. There is something about that in the Scripture, and you see it over and over and over again. I mean, you see it with the, the anointing that came from Elijah to Elisha. He refused to go out without receiving that double portion from Elijah. He's, I'm going to get it. And Elijah tried everything to put Elisha aside, push him away, said, stay here, stay here, stay here, and he just pressed right on through. And I realized there's a principle in this. You want to see your life come to breakthrough? You want to see your life get the blessing that you're looking for or the miracle you're looking for? Then do not go anywhere else looking for it. You have to realize that Jesus has enough, and you need to involve him in what you need. I know we have answers, and he may provide another way, or he may provide the doctor that does this, or, or, or whatever, but usually we try everything else, and when everything else fails, then we say, okay, well, then I guess I'll go to Jesus now. No, Mary didn't go. You know, Mary could have said, hey, guys, go down to the local, the, the local liquor store and pick me up a, some bottles of wine down there and bring it back here quick. She didn't bother with that. She, no, Jesus, we have a problem. Yeah. And again, it's a small problem. But she brought him into it. She refused to be refused. You know what amazed me with it too? It's because she walked away. 
She like left the problem with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, we have this problem. She left it with. She left it with. Me. Now, uh, I had this encounter. Uh, my wife Julie was with me, and we saw this kind of uh, this kind of faith to take hold of something that you normally just um, couldn't take hold of before. We were in the Fiji Islands, and which is a place we go often for ministry. It's one of the first places we we saw open for Foursquare. And while we were there. Uh, we were praying for the sick, and there were many sick people. And interesting enough, many, many, it's one of the things in the Fiji Islands, you see many, many people demon-possessed. So it's kind of a crazy thing when you're there. Well, one of the things, though, at the end of the service, all the people were prayed for, and I thought we were ready to leave. And just as we were ready to leave, someone came walking up, and they brought to me, they brought, uh, they brought up this very, very old woman very thin, I mean, her arms looked like they were this big around, very thin, frail woman, and I'm telling you, I don't know her age, and you never want to tell a woman you know what their you think their age is, but she looked to me to be 90 years old, and just a very tiny, thin, frail woman, and, and so they brought her up, and they said, Pastor Jerry, we want you to pray for her, and I said, sure, what's wrong, and they go, well, she's blind, and she wants to see, and to be honest, I kind of thought, of course, she's as old as Moses, and and wow, um, <clears throat> God bless her. But she, and they go, yes, yeah, she wants to, she she wants to see. So pray for her, so she'll see. And I'm, well, okay. Now I had seen blind eyes open before, but but in this, I went, wow, I don't know. So I didn't know what to do, and so we we got some oil, and just as I had done with someone before that was blind, I put some oil on my fingers and. And put it over her eyes. And as I, as I did that, I prayed with her for a moment and didn't really know what to expect, to be honest. Because I thought even Isaac in the Bible, the patriarch, when he was older, he was blind and it didn't seem like the Lord did anything about that for him. Remember, that's what got him in the problem with Jacob and Esau when he prayed for them. So he, he didn't know who was who and he didn't get this. So I thought, well, Lord, I don't, I, I don't know about this. But this woman, so I put my hands on her eyes. I pray for her a moment, and then I, I finished in Jesus' name, amen, and I went to pull my hands away, and the woman reached up her little hands and grabbed hold of my wrist, both of my wrists, and pressed my hands back against her eyes, and she wouldn't let go. Now I went, well, I'm not going to rip my hands away from this poor old woman and say, hey, okay, lady, I'm done, and we're, 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 we're heading off to lunch right now. I just left them there, and literally, I was, I was looking at Julie and going, like, what does she want? I'm looking around going... What does she expect? But she held my fingers against her eyes. And she held them there and held them there and held them there. And then finally, she released them. And as soon as my, my, my fingers left her eyes, she opened her eyes and she could see. And it, and it hit me because I went, this lady is one of those people. She refuses to be refused. She denies to be denied. She says, I'm not leaving here until I get what I came up for. She involved Jesus in her situation, and hers was a big one. But no matter how big or how small, people who get answers are people who bring Jesus into their problem, into their situation. Well, let's go on. Verse 5 of John chapter 2. It says, so his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And I like that because I saw that's the second key to getting a breakthrough in Jesus. It's a really good key to getting a miracle. Whatever he says to you, do it. 
Do you ever notice some people in their walk with the Lord, um, they want things from God, they want favor from God, they want blessings from God, they want breakthrough from God, but they don't do whatever he says to do. See, the, the, what the Bible kind of indicates that some people partially obey. And I remember the story of, uh, of King Saul. He was told to go do a, this is before David was brought in as king. He was, go, he was told to go do something, and he kind of obeyed. And that's a lot of Christians. We kind of obey. Well, Lord, I kind of obey. I'm kind of good. I kind of go to church most of the time when I can, and it's really convenient, and I have absolutely no other excuses. And I kind of read the Bible sometimes, and I kind of give sometimes. And, Lord, you remember, I put $5 in the offering last Easter, and, and I know you needed it, Lord. And so now you owe me. No, we, we kind of obey, but here's the thing. Mary says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, you know what God has already told you to do, don't you? You know what he's told you to do. We know he's told you to read his word. We know, you know he's told you to give. You know what he's already given you to do. You know that. So are you doing what he's told you to do? Whatever he tells you to do, do it, not partially. So that was a key for me. Maybe we don't receive the miracles, not because God is going to give you because you're so good, but maybe we don't obey fully. We don't do what he's, what all the things that he's told us to do. Do you remember, remember the whole story of Naaman that went down, that had leprosy? It says Naaman was this great man. He was, uh, you know, it even says in the Bible, though he wasn't really a believer in God, it says he was used by the Lord. So this Naaman was this great general of the army, and he had, but it says, but he had leprosy. And he was told by the prophet, go down into the Jordan River, wash yourself seven times, and then you will be, you will be healed. He goes, I'm not going down there. That's a dirty river. The rivers where I live are cleaner than that muddy Jordan River. I don't want to, I'm not interested in that. So he, a servant then says to him, says, well, if the prophet asked you to do something great and big, wouldn't you do it? I mean, wouldn't you do it if, it was, if you had leprosy, body parts are falling off you. How many know you'd do just about anything you need to do to get well? He says, so he's, the, the um, servant says, well, if he told you to do something great, wouldn't you do it? How much if it's just a simple thing? So he finally goes, okay, well, a simple thing. Okay, um, I'll go do it. Goes down into the Jordan River, comes up. Wasn't healed the first time, was he? Second time, third time, fourth. He was told, go in the Jordan River seven times. It wasn't until the seventh when he obeyed fully that he was healed. What if he stopped at six and said, man, this isn't working. This is ridiculous. When he obeyed fully and it wasn't that difficult, that's when the miracle came. Now look at verse six then. He says, now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them, I like this, they filled them to the brim. Imagine the faith even in, in those servants. Now, remember, they need wine, and Jesus says, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. I love this because a lot of people would go, oh, gosh, is this ridiculous. <laughs> he wants us to fill the water pots with water because he's going to make wine out of this. And there it is. Put the whatever kind of hose they had back then, put the hose on, 
I guess that's enough. No, they filled them to the top. To the brim means to overflowing. They filled them to the brim. And I thought about this then. I thought, now, of course, water in the Bible represents a few things. Number one, we are washed by the water of the word, right? And then, of course, Psalm 1, how blessed is the man that does not, uh, does not come under the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the streams or rivers of water. So it's the word. And then, of course, we have Jesus saying, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And then it says, this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. So I began to think about that. I said, well, maybe the people who get the most miracles, the greatest miracles, the greatest breakthrough, are people who are full of the Spirit and full of the Word. Haven't you ever noticed that about people? People who are full of the Word, full of the Spirit, how many know they seem to have a whole lot more testimonies of God doing something in their life, don't they? They're full of the Spirit and they're full of the Word because God is into giving you abundance. Now, now I wanna, want you to see this too. How much miracle did they receive? How much miracle? What was the measure of the miracle they received? How much water they filled up. If they'd only filled those pots halfway, they would have only received half as much miracle. Right? How full are you? One guy did a study, and I don't, I've never done the math on this. Somebody who's good at math can figure this out. The 20 or 30 gallons, and they probably went with the 30 gallons, and they, they, <laughs> They, they took that and calculated out how many bottles of wine that would be. And someone came up with some number of, that was 908 extra bottles of wine. Extra. So again, remember, they already had enough, what was expected. And they get an extra 908 bottles at that wedding. So, so whatever it was, it was a, for them a big blessing. They had plenty. They had more than enough. So, but the measure of your miracle just may be the measurement of how full are you of the word? How full are you of the Holy Spirit? And again, those people expect more too. The the fuller you are of the word, you've read the word, you understand the word, you stand on the word. The fuller you are of the spirit, you're expecting more of the spirit. So how much did you receive? Well, maybe it's the measurement of what you've put in. The next one, then, is this. I like this point. He looked around the room, and he saw what they had. He didn't ask them for what they didn't have. For the miracle to come, he said, what do you have? What do you have? Well, he saw those water pots. They had that, and they had water. He didn't ask them for what they didn't have. I'm going to tell you this. The Lord will always ask you for what you have, not what you don't have. Your miracle will be based on that, though. And he may, take all, he may ask for all that you have, but he will give so much more. So he may ask you for what do you have? What do you have? That's the requirement of the Lord. What do you have? You say, well, I don't have much. Well, then good. You don't have to give much. You don't have much. You don't have to give much. I used to, I, I, I always noticed this through the years of ministry, 35 years now, and I noticed this with people, people who have next to nothing, They have next to nothing. It's real easy for them to, when they have a need from God, they go, oh, Lord, all that I have, I have $5 left. Here you go, Lord. I have this. I have some time. Uh, I can come down and help at the church. I'll give it, Lord. But people who have a lot sometimes are like, oh, 
Uh, I got $10 million, but I'm not giving $1,000 to the, the ministry or this. It's harder for them sometimes because they want to hold on. But so, so he just said, what do you have? He looked around, what do you have? You don't have anything that would, but you have some water pots and you have some water. So he will always find what you have. And I will tell you, the Lord will always demand what you have. Why? Because he wants all of you. And then if you give all of yourself, he gives all to you. He will, he will open up abundance to you. And that's what, again, impressed me about this. He brought abundance. They already had enough to drink, and he brings 908 more bottles to them. Wow. Not suggesting any of this. We're not going to pray for this. But in that case, he overdid it. Abundance beyond what they could imagine. The next one, though, I saw is this. Now look at verse 8. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And he took it to them. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, listen to this. But the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. They knew. And, and said to him, every man serves Every man serves the good wine first, and when men have drunk freely, then that which is poor. But you have kept the good wine or the best wine until now. Then it said, this beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him. Now, here's the one that stuck out to me as well. Oh, this was so powerful to me. When he did the miracle, again, this first recorded miracle we have of Jesus doing in the New Testament, the first miracle. Who were the first to see the miracle? It said the servants. The servants were the first. Wow. And I've always found that through the years, and again, we've been around church most of our lives. The people who experience the most are the people serving, regardless of what you're doing. But it's the people in the church, it's not the ones who just float in now and then, okay, I'm here, pastor, bless me, and I'm telling you what, it better be good. And you got five minutes to do it, or I'm out of this place, I'll go somewhere else that has a shorter service so I can do my thing. No, it's the people who come and say, Lord, I'm just here to serve. I'm here to serve. What, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? I'm here to serve. What do you want me to give, Lord? I'm here. Lord, all my life, everything that I have, it's here for you. They're servants. They're servants. And didn't you notice that's what Jesus always came? He said he, the Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life. Philippians 2 and uh, 8, of course, have this attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who although he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be held on to, but he emptied himself and became a bondservant. And then it goes on and says, therefore, God raised him up to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Why? What's the therefore, therefore? Because he was a servant. That's where it comes. When you're serving others, those servants were the first to experience the miracle that Jesus brought, the very first ones. And as I thought about this, I, and I'll, I'll end with this, uh, just this quick story from the Scripture. You find it in Genesis 24, and it was the story of when, this is so cool. Remember the story where Abraham wanted to give um, all his wealth to his son, Isaac, now, remember, Abraham was so rich 
that it says the kings were jealous of him. Basically, the kings of the earth were jealous of Abraham because he had so much wealth. He acquired so much wealth. It was amazing. So now Abraham wants to give it to his son, but in the tradition then, you couldn't pass it on to your son unless your son was married. There had to be a marital bond, and then you... So Abraham's going, I can't, I don't want to give this to, to um, my, you know, my servant over here. I want to give it to my son. And so he says to the servant, you go find a wife for my son from my family, from our family. So go all the way back to where our family comes from, find a wife for my son. So the servant goes, travels, it says he takes, he takes 10 camels, crosses the desert, comes back to the village where Abraham and, and Sarah's uh, families were from, comes back, and, said, and he's on a pursuit. I have, to find, I have to find a wife for the son of my master, Abraham. So there he tells, gives the story of he's, he sees someone coming, and he prays this ridiculous prayer. Lord, whichever woman comes out to, to get water, and if um, I ask for a drink, she gives me a drink and then offers to water my camels too, she'll be the one. Okay, so first one comes out is, is Rebecca. She comes out, and, and as soon as the servant sees her, he asks for a drink. She gives him a drink. She's getting water. And then she says, and I'll water your camels too. And then when she watered the camels, I mean, get this. She, how many know when camels, they just cross the desert, if you read the story. They've crossed the desert. Camels can drink a whole lot of water. And I did a little research, said how, how much water can a camel drink when it's crossed the desert? They can drink a whole lot of water, gallons and gallons and gallons. And one guy, as they did this, as they did this study, one said they can drink over 50 gallons of water when they cross the desert. That's how they're able to cross the desert. They fill up with so much water. So that girl, as I looked at that, the potential was she would have had to walk down, and they walked into wells then. They didn't have a hand pump, and they didn't, like you see on TV, roll down the bucket and then pull it back up. They actually walked down, all the way down to the bottom, took their jar, took the water, and then walked all the way back up. And some estimate she would have had to walk down into that well with the size of the clay water pot, heavy water pot, then fill it with water, and then walk up to the top some say um, up to a hundred times, but between 50 and a hundred times to water those 10 camels until they were finished. And then you go, my goodness, girl, are you out of your mind? I'll give you a drink and I'll water your camels too. And now who is she doing this for? Was this a king? It was another servant. This was Abraham's servant. So when a servant served a servant, what did, what, here, here's the thing, here's the trigger that just blew me away. Can you imagine this girl, she's just out there to get the water to take back to her village and she decides to do something to serve. She may have been, some say, some theologians say she was probably only 14, 15 years old at the time, just teenage girl. She did this act not knowing that heaven was watching. And what, what, and what was the preparation for? She was about to be handed the wealth of Abraham. Because that was the whole thing. It was all to, to, so that the wealth of Abraham would be passed to Isaac and his, and his bride. 
the wealth of Abraham, who was the richest man in the lands, was about to be passed to this girl who just served a servant. And then I realized that's the key. You need breakthrough in your life. You need a miracle in your life. You need God to do something that there's no way anyone else could do. These are keys. These are keys. Would you stand to your feet with me? I want to pray with you. Very quickly, how many of you here, with whatever's going on in your life, your life, maybe your family, maybe a friend, somehow you look and you say, Lord, I, I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need something. Some of you, maybe it's small. Some of you, maybe you go, this is a big deal we're going through. Or this is a big deal that my family's going through, and I need a breakthrough. That, that can only come from you, Lord. If you need something, would you put your hand up if you say, I have a need, whatever it is. I have a need. I have a need. Well, I want us to do something today quickly together. If you do have that need, you really need that breakthrough, we're going to do what Mary did. We're going to bring it to Jesus immediately. Nowhere else. We're not going to wait on it. We're going to bring it to Jesus. We're going to present it at his feet. If that's you and your hand is up, would you just step to the front for a moment? Because I just want to pray with you. I just really want to be in agreement with you. It's going to be fast. We just want to be in agreement with you very quickly. Because you have to partner in this. See, nobody else came for Mary. Mary brought the need to him herself. I can stand and call out to God for you, but the Lord is also waiting for you to call out to God yourself and bring that need to him, whatever it is. Would you do something with me quickly? What is that need? You know what it is. I don't know what it is. You know what it is. God knows what it is. But will you just lift your hands to him as if you're lifting the need to him? You're lifting the need to him now, just as Mary brought it to Jesus and involved him in her situation. Jesus, we bring our need to you. Just say it to the Lord quietly, just between you and him. Just say, bring that need to him right now. Say, Lord, I bring my need to you. I bring it to you, Lord. There is no one else to turn to, Lord. There's no other place to go. We know that, Lord. But we also know you are the abundant God. You're, you have enough, Lord. And Lord, so we cry to you today, here's my need. I present it to you. I involve you, Lord, in my situation. And Lord, now I, I just declare to you as well, Lord, as I bring my need to you, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to serve your people. Lord, I'm going to give what I have. My whole life is about you, Lord, and for, for your work, your kingdom. Your purpose is, Lord, on this earth. I, that's what my life's about too, Lord. So I offer myself to you. And as I do that, Lord, and bring this need, I'm also, Lord, expecting. See, Lord, we remember that when that miracle was needed and then that miracle came to pass, it seems that Mary just walked away because Mary considered it was done. She considered the miracle was on its way already once she presented it to Jesus. 
She knew it. And Lord, we stand before you as we present these needs and we've confessed these needs to you. And we say to you, Lord, we believe you. We believe you that our miracle is on its way. We believe you that that breakthrough is on its way. We believe you that provision's on its way. We believe you that that healing's on its way, Lord. We believe you, Lord, that it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And we stand in faith for it, knowing that as sure as we've brought it to you and as sure as we serve you and give our lives to you, you will be faithful to bring to us all that is necessary in our life and abundance in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would everyone just say to the Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you.